Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, installation of talks today will be a blessing to you. So welcome again. If you've just come in um, or just joined the stream, I'm Edgar King. I am the lead pastor, and thank you for joining us. Uh, so welcome to what we call Into the Story. Uh, when, whenever we do these series, we just uh, dive into chunks of the Bible together. And uh, uh, in this season, we're going through the book of James. And you know that the things we do are part of our formation. The things you do do something to you. The things you do often, you end up liking to do them more. And uh, there's very important in who you're becoming. As I've said a lot this year, you are becoming someone. You are becoming something. The question is what? And if you just let everything be, in 20 years, you will see what, what things have been forming you. And that's called unintentional formation. So uh, uh, as disciples, we're invited to participate in our formation, intentional formation, spiritual formation. And, and reading scripture is one important practice for those who are being formed into who God is calling us to be. You get to hear what God is saying. When we're often asking, what is God saying? God speaks through his word. You get to hear what God is saying. You get to dive into the bigger story that God is telling. This story is big. We are part of the story. And so we, we, when, when we're engaging in scripture, we get to understand, we get to be part of that story. We get to see the worldview that shaped Jesus. The stories that shaped Jesus. The, the references he was making. We get to hear Jesus' own words and teachings. Also, scripture has power. It's, 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 um, it's got power to teach. It's got power to correct. It's got power to instruct us on righteousness. And so this is why it is so important as believers to make a practice of reading scripture. It forms us. It becomes part of our formation. We cannot ignore that. And so we do that together as a church too. We do it both uh, individually and communally. And so these series into the story are part of our communal diving into the scripture. And so today we will finish the rest of chapter 1 of the book of James. James was the little brother of Jesus. James was one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, which was at some point the epicenter of this movement that was beginning to grow. So I want to invite us to read together. There's power in public reading of scripture. So if you don't have your Bible, uh, it'll be on your screen. I want to invite us to uh, uh, vocally read together uh, the, the, the scripture, starting from verse um, 12. James 1, 12 to 27. Uh, let's do it together. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, 
nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after de desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of uh, the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what they looks like, he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law and gives, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, to look after orphans and widows in distress and to keep oneself from the polluted world. Ooh. Okay. Heavenly Father, I ask that you reveal your truth to us. We are here so that your spirit can, can, can birth truth in us, can birth new creation in us. So come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. So we'll take portions and then we'll walk through those portions. And then after this next week, uh, online, you, you, we'll give a guideline on, on what portion we'll do next weekend. So I'm going to uh, reread some of that, but in a different version. If your faith remains strong even while, you, uh, uh, while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every, every lover of God. When you're tempted, don't say God is tempting me. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil and he is never the source of temptation. Instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. Evil desires give birth to evil action, and when sin is fully mature, it can murder you. So, my friends, don't be fooled by your evil desires. So last, last week and this week, James is making a similar exhortation, a similar encouragement. That, hey, if you're going through difficult times, so last week he said, hey, if you're going through difficult time and you're a believer, actually count it as joy because God is doing some of his finest work during that time. And this week he's saying, don't give up. Hold on. Hold on. I want to give us a bit of background why this is so important in James's letter. It was at a time when the church was being heavily persecuted. 
They were being uh, pursued, they, they were being arrested, taken to court, uh, uh, some jailed, and others actually put to death. So this was very important for the church leaders to keep encouraging the believers. By the way, God is doing his finest work. He's making something in you. He's forming you into something. So don't give up. Stay on it. Stay on it. And so one of the ways... He's asking us to stay on it is by focusing on the promise that is eternal. Focus on what God is doing. Focus on what, what is coming. Focus on the promise that God has made and stay on it. Don't give up now. In a difficult, in a year that has been difficult. Uh, so I, I noticed that uh, yesterday night I could hear all the clubs in, in town because they finally opened. But before, I, I wouldn't hear them. It's just because we've had months and months of just quiet. And now finally, you know, my ears are like, oh my gosh, uh, there's so many clubs and they're, you know, singing the same songs. But where I was going with this is that we've, we've had months of people losing jobs. We have, we've had months of, of just difficult times. And it's, it could be so easy to just give up and say, maybe God doesn't care. James is saying two things in this uh, letter, uh, the first chapter. One, God is doing some fine work in you, and you will see its fruit. So focus on that fruit. Focus on that promise. Keep on it. Keep on it. And here's the thing that is, is a resounding thing in what he's saying. Faithfulness is a muscle. Last week, he talked about uh, 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 perseverance produces patience, and patience produces the fruit we want to see. This time he's saying, hey, keep going, uh, because this is how we get to the fruit we... we um, we're looking, uh, we're, we've been promised. We know that in this world we will have trouble. Just by being human beings. And then an extra allowance of trouble by following Jesus, right? So if, if you're going to have the kind of perseverance for what's come, you know, the, the truth is even when, when you're just out of a crisis, you're always in a crisis or just in the waiting bay for the next one sometimes, right? So so James is saying, hey, if you will have the strength to persevere, if you have the faith to persevere the next thing, start with what you are, where you are now. Faithfulness is a muscle. Faithfulness is a muscle, so we keep practicing. We keep practicing. It's, it's just strength for one day at a time. So where God has given you strength, persevere, and be faithful. Because in, 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 in even harder things that may come, you'll be able to stand strong because of what God has built in you now. So uh, James is saying, hey, don't give up on your faith. Don't lose trust. Don't walk away. Don't walk away. Focus on the promise that is coming. And then there is this bad idea that he addresses, that, that bad things come from God. Uh, the, okay, so... Um, throughout the when the pandemic started, there were people who went around saying, "This is God punishing the world. This is God bringing the world to reckoning." You can see that they, 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 there has always been this idea that 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 God is the source of pain, even amongst believers. So we often, you know, something terrible really happens, and you hear believers saying, "Oh, it is the will of God. God doesn't will bad things." God does not will bad things. Yet this idea has, has, was there during James' time and has stayed with us to this day. I, 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 I've heard so many atheists 
uh, say that one of the reasons they reject the existence of God or a good God, a benevolent God, is how could the world have this much suffering? What was he thinking? What was he thinking when he created a world that is this broken? And so they go, he either does not exist, or if he does, he's so bad he's not worth worshipping. And this is the same idea that James is, is teaching against. God, uh, uh, God is not the source of evil. God does not will bad things. It's not that God cannot use hard circumstances in our lives. He's so good at that. He makes everything work for good for those who love Him. It's not that God will walk with you through very difficult times and use them for His purposes, but He is not the source of that. God is not the source of wickedness. God does not will harm. You know, And so James is, James is calling the church to have a different view of God. Now listen, this was at a time where, where people had, had options of God's. And in some way, we have that too today. Yet at that time, it was so obvious. You know, you go to a different city, and every city had its own God. And so sometimes people don't realize that the God they're rejecting isn't the God Jesus is inviting us to. If you have, have rejected God because you think He wills harm, that's not the God Jesus is inviting you to. And so James is inviting the church. You think differently because God is not uh, the source of pain and evil. God, God does not will uh, uh, bad things to you. And even more, when you're being tempted, even when it comes to temptation, God is not trying to make you into something through your temptation. He will use it, but God does not will bad things to you. Actually, he will be right beside you. And it breaks his heart when we, when we fall. And it breaks his heart when we hurt. But he never gives up on making things work for good. Yet James, the brother of Jesus, is inviting us to realize that he's not the source of that. Because then we can turn to him. That's the only way we can turn to him. And particularly then, he, he, he then, talk, talking about uh, temptation, he goes, I, all your temptations are always around your desires. That's good news. Because Jesus was also tempted, and tempted in every way. This is why it's good news. Human beings, we have desires. And so if Jesus was tempted, it tells you that he too had desires. And if Jesus overcame temptation, it says that we too can overcome temptation. For me, that's really good news. I don't know if you get tempted. I do. So if Jesus did it, I can too. And it kind of also says that the problem isn't desire. God put those desires in you. Our desires come from God. Sin broke them. Our desire for food, our desire for companionship, our desire for sex, our desire for family, our desire for acceptance, and all these desires, God put them in us, sin broke them. That's the problem. Desire isn't the problem. And the journey of transformation is about leading us to a place where our desires are formed again into what God intended them to be in the first place.
That's the journey of transformation. And this journey of transformation will take self-denial. Instead of yielding to our every disordered love, our every disordered desire. So we are in a journey of our desires being transformed to reflect those of God. It will take self-denial. Instead of yielding to everything, your, your, your body, your mind, everything you desire. Instead of yielding to all our desires, it will take self-denial. Or what Jesus and his people called taking up your cross. If there's a teaching about not having desire anymore, it's not a Jesus teaching. Actually, it's more Buddhist. The, Buddha believe, the Buddhists believe that, hey, the journey to nirvana or just is, is a place where you extinguish all your desires. But that's not the point. Because those desires were put in you by God. And the other extreme of do whatever thou wilt, the other extreme of do anything you want, Hands off my body, hands off my time, I will do anything I want. That's another extreme and it's not the Jesus invitation either. The world will call you there, do anything you want. Or will call you, hey, find a way to extinguish desire because you can't win this battle. Jesus is calling you here. What if I make you new? What if I make you new? Freedom, as I've said in the last couple of weeks, is not about having to do anything we want. That's a, that's a very recent idea of freedom. I want freedom to do what I want. That's a that's very, very uh, young idea of freedom. And it's not the idea of freedom that is in Scripture. The, the idea of freedom that is in Scripture is freedom from. Freedom from tyranny of sin. Freedom from tyranny of bad leaders. Freedom from... from from the tyranny of our desires. Freedom to become. Not freedom to just do everything we want. But sadly that idea has crept into the church. And even in the church it really doesn't matter how we live. Because oh by the way I'm just human. And Jesus is saying no, no no there's a better way of being human. There's a better way of being human. Being fully human as God intended us to be, is, is to come to a place where we're not ruled by our desires. Instead, we are being transformed into his image more and more, and our desires begin to reflect those of God. Something interesting I also find there is, is around spiritual warfare. So many times... Um, I might have told this story here. Um, uh, uh, when I was young, everything bad that happened, I would just start cussing out the devil. And my mom allowed it to go on for a while, and one day she said, no, you do not call that name in my house. I'm like, okay. You know, lights go out, and oh, Tanya Shindra. I'm like, and um, I didn't realize that KPLC has a lot of issues, and you know, it doesn't, they don't really need the devil to help them with not being um, efficient. You see, sadly, around certain circles of church, there has be, there, there's this idea that, that, that it's all out there. The enemy's out to get us. Everyone is, is, is anointing every car they buy. Everyone, you, know, you, 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 you buy a new piece of land, oh, let's anoint this piece of land. Let's just go around it. Like, Come on. When do you enjoy life? But... Okay, why did I go in that direction? That's not where I was going. Um, okay. 
come back. Oh, I was about to say, it, sometimes we don't realize that, of course, there is indeed evil. And, and it, it is personified. It, evil is personified in scripture in what we call the Satan, the devil. And he's the enemy of our souls. But there's also a thread throughout scripture that there's also stuff in us. It's not just happening outside you. It's also sometimes happening inside you. That's why the journey of spiritual formation is so important. Because there's stuff in us that is bent towards evil. There's stuff in us that easily participates in what the enemy is doing in the world. There's stuff in humanity that, that creates Hitlers of this world. There's stuff in humanity that, 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 that makes the kind of, 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 of demonization that we saw in 2008 possible. And so we, we're constantly being invited to, to, to submit our desires to Jesus. Constantly being invited to not yield to each and every of our desires. Constantly being invited to a journey of self-denial. A journey of being with the Father. Because that's where transformation happens. Maybe if transformation happens completely in this country, or even just enough people who work at KPLC, we won't see those strange bills we see sometimes, right? So we are constantly being invited. You will become the kind of... Uh, Oh my word, if you're here and you work for KPLC, I just, uh, it's, it's just an example. Yikes. Uh, maybe next week we won't have electricity and that would be bad. So, uh, yeah, where was I? There. So, you will become better parents, you'll become better spouses. It's not just about being better. You'll become better friends. You will become who God is inviting you to be as you constantly, intentionally participate in your formation by surrendering your desires to God. Make us new. Make us new. The next section, every gift God freely gives Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. God has delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones uh, of all his creation. Oh, Jesus the beautiful one. Everything beautiful, everything pure, everything good, everything perfect is a reflection of our Father in heaven, regardless of where you see it. Everything good, everything pure, everything perfect, everything beautiful is a reflection of our Father in heaven. And and if we start becoming aware of, of the little good things around us, we start training ourselves to see God all around us because every good thing comes from the Father. There's a practice we've, we've talked about here a couple of times called the examine, which really is, is uh, the full name is the examination of conscience. Where it's, it's, a, it's a form of reflective prayer where you sit quietly and walk through the day or walk through the week depending on how often you're doing it and kind of going 
How, what are the motions of my heart? And was I aware of where God was? One, one uh, important pillar of, of that practice is gratitude. And the thing is, the more you practice gratitude, the more you see the beautiful things that surround you. And the more you see the beautiful things that surround you, the more you become aware of God around you. Let's learn to be grateful for the tiny things around us. It will literally change our lives. Uh, there's data, uh, there's uh, research that shows that gratitude literally rewires our brains and we become actually more grateful people. Even if you're coming from a place of not being grateful, the more you practice gratitude, the more your brain is rewired to become a grateful person. It could just be a good coffee. Sometimes life is hard and all that was good was a good coffee. That's okay. Be grateful. It could be just um, a little improvement in your health, that you're not coughing as hard as you did yesterday. Be grateful. It could be that someone was kind to you on the streets. Be grateful. It could be a new big job. Be grateful. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. This, the, the big thing that happened this morning when you're coming in and so you were celebrating, it's God who gave it to you. The small thing that happened and the rest of it looks dark, it's God who gave it. Be grateful. And here's the thing. He has no malice behind it. He's not doing good things to you so that you do something in return. God isn't kind to you so that you tithe more. God isn't kind to you so that you... you He's, there's no malice behind it. He is just good. And it gives him pleasure. The question is, do we know that it gives God pleasure to, to give us joy? Do we know that it gives us pleasure to, uh, that it gives, God, it gives God pleasure to give you good things? So stop hiding away from joy. We think... That, that everyone struggling is people struggling with hard things. There are a lot more people who will not allow them to who will not allow themselves to experience joy. Have you ever been in a prayer session and you started laughing and someone turned to you and said, "You do not laugh in the presence of God." Like, whoa, hold up, you know. I think we. Some people will not allow themselves to experience joy because we don't think God actually enjoys giving us good things. And James is saying he actually does. It gives him pleasure. How many of you catch yourselves when, when something good is happening going, I know things are just about to go bad. And by the way, yes, hard things come. That's life. But before they come, you might as well have a party. How many of us catch ourselves going, oh no, don't be too happy, you'll jinx it. Don't tell everyone you're happy, you'll jinx it. The enemy will hear you and spoil it. And God's going, no, I, I actually enjoy doing this. I enjoy giving you joy. I enjoy bringing good things in your life. Oh, but how can I be happy when, when my brother isn't? Well, grieve with those who grieve. Enjoy with those who joy. So visit them and then in the evening go have a party. It's okay. It's okay. God does enjoy giving you good things. Question is whether you're aware of it. 
in this world you'll have trouble. Don't be fooled. But it's not from God. What's from God is good, beautiful, pure, perfect, and it gives him joy. I was uh, in my spiritual direction session, and in these sessions, I often like, just in the silence and, and, and praying and reading scripture, I often like going through, I, I, I become aware of the motions of my heart, and then I go through, sometimes I go through memories and, and go, where was, where was God? I realize it's become very easy for me to go through dark memories because I want to see where God was. I'm like, why are you there? Why are you there when I was rejected? Why are you there when I, when I was hurt? Why are you there when I failed? Where were you? And so it's been so cool to go through memories and see Jesus through one kind of action or Jesus through someone saying something like, ah, oh, God was with me. It's so cool. Now, this, a few weeks ago, I, my, my heart was in a place of gratitude because it's, it's just been an amazing couple of weeks. And I, 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 the memory that came to my mind was one day I was in the streets of Nairobi and I was dancing, literally. And if you know me, I don't know how to dance, so it wasn't a good sight. And I was singing, I mean in the streets of Nairobi, I, I mean in the central business district, okay? So it's not like somewhere in Karen where it's private and people, no. I looked crazy. So I picked up the phone and called George. And George was like, are you okay? Are you drunk? And as a proper Jesus follower, I answered like Peter. No, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, and so as I was going through this memory, I started seeing just this. The, I, I had this imagination of God being very happy. And he's looking down and going, oh, look at how happy he is. And then the next image was him joining me in the dancing. This is weird if God dances on the streets. And immediately I stopped myself. It's like, no way God would do that. And I told myself, why am I forming God into my image? I know I get carried away when I'm happy. Let me not form God into my image. And what I heard the Holy Spirit say is, what if you're like that because you are formed in God's image? I said, like, whoa. Right? God actually is excited to give you good things. Trust me, when painful times come, He will walk through them with you. He's not afraid of joying through good times with you. So dance on. Now, I'm not saying the devil, everybody should dance on the streets. That's a bit of my extroversion and craziness. You are who you are because you're formed in God's image. Will you step into joy? Freely fall into joy. Do you remember the old story of, of, of kids being told, oh, how do you not finish your food? And there's people sleeping hungry in the slums. They're like, gosh, let this child enjoy some food. And I know it's, it's, it's a really bad practice if we allow kids to just wait. But oh my word, what's that child supposed to do? And I think that's part of the shaming in different cultures that has not allowed people to, to enjoy, to feel that God is extravagant with his love, is extravagant with his joy. Now, the next part. My dearest brothers and sisters, take 
Take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak, and be slow to become angry, for human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purposes. Warnings about anger again. We have scriptures like, do not let the sun set on your anger, or in your anger do not sin. It seems that, that this is very important. It's all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And if you've been in any significant relationship, you probably know that this is true. Anger doesn't always help things. You could have been right, and then afterwards you have to clean up a mess. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. And, you know. Now, get it. It's, it's very good to be in, in relationships where you can be yourselves. That's important. And as you are yourself, let God work through some of that stuff in you. Right? And the warning is even bigger now. Because often when we think we are right, we give ourselves permission to be angry. And James is telling the church, you will not be like that. Because never is anger, human anger, a tool for God's righteousness. Never is your anger a tool for God's righteousness in your relationships. But I will fix him. Just wait. No, you will not. Wait until they meet my wrath. They will have a come to Jesus meeting. No, they will not be coming to Jesus. And in our political atmosphere, everyone's angry. And James is telling the church, yes, there's some righteous things that need to be accomplished. We need to engage with the social issues of this world, but human anger is never a tool for God's righteousness. So even as we engage with the things of our day, as believers, we have to do them differently. As believers, we cannot be part of mob justices. But they deserve to die. That's not us. So this is why when we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct, instead with a, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which was, has been implanted in us within our nature, for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Do not, listen, do not just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for this is the essence of self-deception. The moment we read God's word, that's the very core of self-deception. So always let the word become like poetry, written and fulfilled by your life. I just like that. Yes, it's beautiful poetry. Let it be so, but let it be fulfilled by how you live your life. If you listen to the word and don't live uh, out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the words to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word. But then you do not do, uh, go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated, and, uh, fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. Again, the issue of God's word is coming around. You cannot be transformed if, if, if a practice of, being, of absorbing God's word isn't how you live. I know we love Jesus in here. I know we believe the right things in here. Wow. It takes now becoming people who practice uh, absorbing the word of God. We have to intentionally make time to read and hear God's word. 
We have to absorb God's word. There is power in the word. Alternatively, we become malformed Christians who aren't even sure what they believe, who believe the wrong things, or even though they believe the right things, it has no power over them. But then, hearing and reading scripture is pointless if we don't practice out what it tells us. Jesus is, uh, James is beginning to sound like Jesus. That it's only those who hear my word and put it to practice. Not just those who heard it. Great, you believe the right thing, so what? It's literally, as I, I love how he puts it. You, see, you look at the mirror, God shows you who you are, God shows you what he sees you as. So it's not condemnation. What, you saw, what you're hearing now is God is not condemning you. He's saying, hey, this is who you are. But guess what? This is who I see you as, new creation. And then he invites you to practice. The moment we don't, we completely forget that we are new creation. And so even when we see uh, in the world who we, are, uh, who we are, we feel condemned, we lose our identity. The only way scripture will have impact in your life is, you, if, is if you practice it. The only way scripture will have impact in your life, the only way people, uh, it'll change how you vote, the only way it'll change how you run business, the only way it'll change how you treat your spouses and your siblings and your neighbors, how you view your sexuality, how you view marriage, the only way scripture will have impact in your life is if you actually practice it. I think so many of us get tired of reading scripture, so many of us get tired of hearing it, we feel we don't understand it, because we actually aren't practicing so it just becomes poetry. How many times can you watch one movie? How many times can you read the same poem? But power is in the doing. I know there are a few different answers about the movies in there. Some people can watch it quite, quite a number of times. But, but the power is in the living out. The more we live out, as I said as I, when I started, the things we do do something to us. The more you do something, you fall in love with doing it. Some of you enjoy coffee because you do it every other time. It's the same way. If scripture is going to have power over you, we, we, we read it over and over again as a practice. We begin to enjoy reading it. And then the power is in the obedience. As we do and do what scripture is saying, we begin to see its transforming power over us. Why don't I call the band up on stage as I release this? If someone believes they have a relationship with God but fails to guard his words, then his heart is drifting away and his religion is shallow and empty. I actually didn't prepare for that piece. We'll come back to it next week because we need to finish. True spirituality that is pure in the eyes of our Father God. You know what? Let's actually stop there. So, why don't you stand? Do you realize that God wills good things for you? I feel like some of us are in the place where we, 
we, we are choosing God because it, it sounds like the right thing to do. We were raised as believers, but we, we, we're not so sure that he's with us in the, uh, in the places we're suffering. We're not so sure he wills good things. Some of you have faith because, ah, come on, I'm a Christian. And God is saying today, no, no, no. Do you realize I will good things for you? So I just want to ask a few questions of us as we sit in response. And then I'll actually pray over us and release anyone who needs to go. Walk into the last week. Where was God? It might have been a very painful week. But the Father wants to show you where he was with you. Where was the good, the perfect, the beautiful? How can you release yourself to enter into joy? What's happening around you and you can't even share it because you're just going, no, 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 good things don't last. And I feel like some of us are actually in good seasons, but... But we feel like nothing good lasts in our lives. And if that's particularly you, I'd love to pray with you. Because that's not true. That's the enemy's lie that's taken root. Oh Lord, you are good. The Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. His mercies and faithfulness endure to a thousand generations. Lord, you are faithful, and we ask that we will see your faithfulness in the land of the living. There's so much more to come, but we ask even now, before we breathe our last breath, before this season ends, before the pain we're in ends, show us your goodness. Show us that you're good even though we're passing through trials. Show us that you're good even though death surrounds us. Show us that you're good even though we are fainting. And I speak strength over your heart to enter into God's joy. I bless you now to go into this city, to your families, to people who love you, to strangers on the streets, and dance with your Father, whatever that looks like for you. And be full of gratitude for what He is doing in you and around you. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.